Grace and peace be with you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of my favorite hymns in all of the hymndom uh, is Lift High the Cross. I would like you to listen. Uh, Lori, would you play just the refrain part for that for us, please? There's something about that that it just excites me. The, the, the blood flows faster. I can hear, feel the, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. There's, there's a sense of, I hate to say it because I know it's one of the deadly sins, but there's a sense of pride. There's a sense of strength. There's a sense of power that comes out of this. Mo- most of us here are old enough to remember a, a, almost a sainted name, Kate Smith. When she would sing America the Beautiful and close that program every week on TV, you wanted to stand up and salute for heaven's sakes. I feel that way with Lift High the Cross. It gives me a strength and a power that, that, that speaks to the, to the very soul. And that is what I think today's gospel text amplifies. There's a verse in here that is, is crucial to it. If you'll look with me, if you have your, 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 your bulletins there, the 38th verse of the gospel lesson. If, if not, if you want to look in the Pew Bible, please do that, Matthew 10, 38. Now this is a, a, a strengthening and yet kind of a perplexing verse. It says, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me. I have a little problem with that. Um, a challenge with that. And, and earlier on in the week when I was going through this, this particular uh, translation, I, actually I, I was indignant uh, because my Greek Bible doesn't say that. When I read that passage in Greek, it clearly says, and whoever does not take up his cross, literally the cross of himself. And I got thinking about it, well, I only had that one translation in front of me because my, most of my Greek texts and parsing guides and, and, and things, uh, my granddaughter has at Southern Seminary. She decided she could save a fortune in books by cleaning out Grandpa's bookshelf. After all, Grandpa, you're retired. And so, and so I couldn't look to see what the alternate texts are. In the Nestle Elan Greek Bible down at the bottom, there's all sorts of little footnotes, and they're all sorts of kind of, they look like hieroglyphics, but they give alternate. And, and this very, very, well, very, very, very well might be an alternate text. But the point of it is, I think what Jesus is saying, and I think this, this soothes it over, we'll take up the cross. Yeah, that's the cross Jesus had. And since Jesus has the cross, it won't be very tough. Now, I think that waters the text down. I like at least what my Greek text has, and whoever does not take up his own cross. It's a possessive here. Whoever does not take up his own cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And then we become a little bit disillusioned as well because when we take up our own cross, we think of, oh, well, anything that's difficult in life, oh, my goodness, I have a cross. I have to wear glasses because, you see, if I take these glasses off, you don't exist. <laughs> I see a bunch of fuzzy blurs out there and cannot tell male, can tell, cannot tell male from, from, from female. 
I have a friend who just last week lost an eye. He'd gone in for surgery and, and had one who had gone through eye surgery early in life. I remember the credo, do not bend over. My parents, I remember, heard that credo and emphasized that daily. The doctor did not say, do not spank. And so once, when I started to bend over, uh, I was straightened very quickly. It seems that a hand applied to the back side raises the top. <laughs> and I remembered not to bend over. Unfortunately, my friend didn't, and so he's now lost sight in one eye. That's not a cross. The cross Christ is talking about is the cross of persecution that comes to us when we stand firmly in the camp of God and the salvation offered to us through Jesus Christ. A disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. Lift high the cross that you are asked to carry, the cross of Jesus Christ. And so much in life that, is, that, 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 that we come to understand with this is, is lost because when we think about it, this is not a nice thing. This is not a fun thing. So often we think about being members of groups and particularly the church that all is well. And particularly in modern day Christianity, certainly we give trophies to everybody for everything. It's like graduating from preschool, graduating from kindergarten. It's like playing soccer but not keeping score. That's fine for little kids, but that's not the message that Christ gives the church. What Christ is telling his disciples is that, boys, things are going to get rough. We look at, the, we look at the, the, the message before the first reading today. This is kind of interesting. Jeremiah was the child prophet. He was a, a young, young child, maybe 12, 14 years old. Jeremiah accuses God of forcing him into a ministry that brings him only contempt and persecution. That's exactly what Jesus is doing with his disciples who are gathered with him and around him here in chapter 10. Not just the twelve, but all who would follow him. Hmm? A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. In other words, my friends, if I'm going to endure something, Jesus is saying, those who are gathered at his feet, you must as well. And what's he going to endure? He's trying to warn them for what is to come. His persecution, his mockery being spat upon, being slapped, being crucified. The cross we are asked to bear is that cross, my friends, that to stand firm in Christ in the world means that we too, at times, risk being spat upon, being mocked, and being crucified. Because we are called to this world not to serve self, but to serve God and each other. And in so doing, when we choose that course in life, there are those who will say, well, I thought you were a Christian for heaven's sakes. What good did it do you? Your car still ran into the fire hydrant. A small cross, but a cross because people are mocking us for our faith because they don't understand the point of that faith. 
And the point of that faith, I think, is reiterated over and over and over again in this beautiful passage. Look with me, if you will, at verse 26. And so after Jesus tells them what will happen, he says to them, So have no fear of them. And he comes to verse 28, and he says, Do not fear those who would kill the body. And he comes again to verse 31 and he says, Do not be afraid because you are of so much more value than these little, little trivial birds that only the poorest of the poor will use as their sacrifice to God because that's all they could afford. He's telling his disciples that they will suffer, that they will at times be called upon to die and yet, do not be afraid because you have something so much more important and so much more eternal. You have the love of God to see you through these things. And as I look at this, what I see here is that, is that Jesus is saying it won't be easy, but our call is, is exactly that. One of the verses that came to me later in the week, actually I was giving blood last week, I was reading this article in Old Times Magazine, uh, Time Magazine uh, um, by, um, oh, what the heck's her name? Something Taylor Brown. Can't think. Barbara. Barbara Taylor Brown, thank you. That's why they have two of us here. <laughs> when you get to my age, you just can't remember everything, so Aaron's here to keep my back good. Okay, Barbara Taylor Brown, one of the brilliant modern theologians. And she's just writing a new book about, well, a new book. It was new on April 28th, which was the date of the magazine. And I didn't steal it, by the way. I asked two people at the Red Cross Center if I might take that magazine and would bring it back. And both said, Pastor, you don't need to bring it back. Just thank you very much. So. But what her point was is that sometimes we as Christians want to see everything in the light, and certainly Christ is our light, the light of the world, as, as John reports Jesus calling himself. But it's important to recognize that we live in darkness, and in that darkness there is sin and there is evil and there are those things that will come to haunt us and those things that we fear. Because you see, when we are in the darkness, we are or at least we think we are alone. Do we not? Little children are afraid of the dark unless mommy or daddy is there with them with an arm around them. Even adults can be afraid of the dark unless they have a companion with them. But Jesus says, when I tell you in the dark, you will go and you will speak in the light. In other words, we're doing it quietly and secretly here, but I want you to go out and I want you to tell the world of God's love. What we whisper here, I want you to shout. You are a sinner. But all too often we stop there. Because the message is, you are forgiven. Embrace the forgiveness. That's the gospel message that, that, that makes no sense to the world. And we are to shout that in the darkness. But you see, it's in the, the dark times in life that we come to see God's revelation. Is it not? Is that not the story of God's people? Is that not, not what, what, what happened when we 
when we see Abraham and Sarah who were in the darkness of childlessness, and yet at night God would proclaim to, the, to Abraham, you count the stars, those will be your children, you say. Was it not night? Was it not dark? When the children of Israel left bondage in Egypt and Jesus led them day and night to the power of God that they would go through the desert where the Magi, not directed at night by the star, did not the sun become shadowed and the day become night as Christ died on the cross. And yet in the midst of all of those dark times, God was there to reveal himself. God was there to bring light and hope and truth to the world. And that, my friends, is what Jesus is saying when he repeats over and over again, do not fear. Shout the love of God from the mountaintops and do not be afraid of what the world might ridicule or castigate. Do not be afraid. Three times. There's some foreshadowing in Matthew's gospel because it is Peter who will deny his Lord three times. And yet it is not God who ever leaves Peter. There's that God who would make him the head of his church, you say. We too have that assurance in our lives that we live by the power of the light of Christ. Out of darkness comes light. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what comes next? What comes next? The light. And what comforts me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hmm? They give me that sense of light and peace even in my worldly darkness. Hmm? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall live in the presence of God forever. That is the light out of darkness. As Jesus tells his disciples how difficult their witness to a troubled and chaotic world will be, he repeats over and over and over again, do not be afraid. That magic number three, the the number of the Trinity, the number of the fullness of God, the number that assures them that time and time again they will be strengthened, they will be led, they will be nurtured and protected as we walk through this valley of the shadow of death called life. From the darkness of this world comes the light of Christ. Do not be afraid as you carry your cross for Christ. Amen.